All right, so here we go. Hey everyone, and welcome to the 103rd episode of We're All in the Same Boat. I'm your host, Luke Roxwell, and today I am here with Joshua Williams. What? What's what up? up? Joshua hey. is, well, you prefer Josh, right? <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird when you say my full name. <laughs> Joshua. Okay, sorry. Josh is the lead pianist and singer, basically the creator of Keycentric, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not really a singer, but yeah, okay, I'll I, get I, into that. But yeah, Keycentric okay. is like a, a pet project of mine. Yeah, so Keycentric, if you've ever heard Michael mention Keycentric, this is the guy that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a filmmaker. Yes. A producer of music, and then also sort of a producer of video. Yeah, I guess you could say that, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, if the film is small enough and you paid for the camera, you're the producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've, like, I've, like, I've done some commercial shoots for work, and I guess you could say that was a producer role, but I really yeah. don't like being called that. Okay. <laughs> what do you prefer? Do you prefer director? Is that what, that's the title? Yeah, I'd I say I'm probably more of an editor than anything, but yeah, definitely. I like, I'm a director. <laughs> Dude, editing, editing is the, the most fun part for me, I think. I think yeah, like man. Being able to take something and, and shape it into something else. Well, it depends on what it is. If it's like, if I'm editing for someone else, it's not as fun, but if I'm editing for myself, then it's a lot of fun. When it's like, here's a five hour, five camera, multi-cam shoot. And you're like, nah, fam, <laughs> no. nah, fam. But if somebody's giving me like complete creative freedom to just go in, then it's fun. You know what, what is, uh, in terms of projects, like something that you did for somebody else, what kind of projects have you had that have been fun? Like I, I'm trying to think of, for me, I edited like these soccer camp videos. And so mm-hmm. I got to just put whatever music I wanted and I could yeah. edit it like a trailer. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of fun with that. And we both know something like a giant multi-cam shoot, that's boring. Right. But did you have any projects that you thought were like way more fun than the other? Probably my favorite project was kind of like a side project we were doing at work for um, a company that we were kind of growing in inside of our other company. Okay. And um, we basically had a deadline for our manager's meeting to like present something for the company to kind of show what we were doing. So me and another coworker, we basically put together a quick script um, for what we thought the brand would look like because we were basically building the, the brand from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And we came up with this whole idea. We wrote the voiceover in like 30, like in, in like 20 minutes. I recorded the voiceover. Oh, really? so I did, yeah, so I did the voice. So I do like voiceover for work a lot. Um, and then I just took stock video um, and found this really dope music track. And I was like going in on the thing. I edit. I dude. This is one I of those like, things where it's like, <laughs> how much time did you have to work on this? I had like I did it in like a night, an evening, okay, because so like it, it was. Isn't it that was, crazy? And then like mm-hmm. sometimes projects like that go so much better. Yeah. Than any other project you could but possibly do. The thing is, do. I had all the materials, though. That was the thing. Like, a lot of... I could find things easily. When you can't find stuff easily, it's a little harder. But well, I was it, basically... It, when you have, like, that time pressure. Yeah. It's like, I gotta get this down. Just, mm-hmm. I don't care if the stock footage isn't perfect. I gotta get this done now. So, this is gonna have to do. Yeah. But uh, I was still somewhat meticulous. But, yeah, that basically was, like, it was due tomorrow. So, I'm like, I'm gonna stay up late and finish it because... Uh, I, I do like to separate work and um, and leisure time, but right. I was really excited about this project. I was like, I'm going to finish it, re- recorded the voiceover, did the edits, added my music, presented it at the manager's meeting, and everybody was like, yo, that was <laughs> dope. And what, like, What is it that you do for work? Like, What is this company? 
You don't um, have to so, tell me the name of it, but oh yeah. So I work for a real estate company, and basically I head up, essentially head up the media department. And that's basically why I do my titles, director of creative services. So uh, initially, I started off as a videographer slash editor, and I was the only one on the team. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lot more work, so I basically became a manager and hired someone under me. And then I hired another person under me. Um, eventually, kind of headed up the media department. So that's what I do for a living. Um, creating like commercials, social media marketing, stuff like that. That's such that's a cool title. Just mm-hmm. that alone being like director, what was it? Director of media, creative, uh, media? creative services, creative Crea- services, creative yeah. services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm a creative. Yeah. <laughs> I serve the creative, the creation. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like in some ways a go between, between departments, like communicating with the web team on projects and, um, you know, working with my video and media team to kind of coordinate stuff. So. Now you, it, it seems like, I, I guess I didn't even quite finish introducing you, uh, but yeah, he does music, video editing, and you just started a podcast called Young Creative Hustlers. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about some of what was involved with that, you know, just not not like, I, I didn't have that much to do with it, but I did have a conversation with you and we'll, we'll tell that story later. Okay. Um, but you've done stuff with YouTube and, uh, you know, just all sorts of stuff. It sounds like you just kind of got your hands in a lot of different places. Yeah, man. Like you, like you get, must get bored. And you're like, I got to try <laughs> something new. You know, is that true? Uh, it Sort of, man. But uh, if I want to start at the beginning, it all began really when I was five um, or maybe younger than that. Like I've always been kind of naturally gifted at things in the arts. Like, I, I mean, I did pretty well in school, but like everything I did was creative minded. Like started playing piano when I was five years old. Um, my parents, parents saw that I had a t- kind of a knack for hearing melodies and kind of playing it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they put me in piano lessons and I loved it. Um, and I would always kind of take pieces and kind of make them my own. Even if, you know, if I was reading the music, I was still from a young age, like, okay, I'm going to do this the Josh Williams way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then in fourth You're starting grade, your brand as a child already. You know? <laughs> yeah. And no, like, honestly, like if I look back, that's basically what I was doing. I was kind of branding myself as this pianist that always would kind of add a showman quality to whatever I did. Cause a lot of pianists I knew they were, you know, they, they were classically trained as well, but they played everything very straight and they just kind of did it. But when mm-hmm. I played, I was always into the music, like, cause I, I love rhythm and um, I started it's playing. It's just so much. I try to explain this to people like, so like I play guitar, mm-hmm. not, not anything extreme, but I do enjoy playing. Yeah. But I hate just sitting and looking at my shoes and playing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm all moving around, you know, yeah. and like, it's like when the music's playing, I like, I, I like, I like moving with it. And so like, yeah. when you play, I've seen you play, like you're, you're very much, you move around with it. You're, mm-hmm. you're like leaning down on the piano and playing <laughs> the notes, you know? Yeah. Which makes no it other so way, much, man. It, it turns you into a character, you know. It turns you into something, someone who's like so into the music, right? Uh, I like that. So, but anyway, so you're so you're animated, you're a kid, you're learning to play music, and you're really shining with that. But yeah. so, what else? What happened after that? Yeah, I picked up drums in the fourth grade, so I started playing drums. And um, throughout school, I did. Um, I was in the percussion ensemble. I did all the bands. I was in the jazz band. Learned how to play drum set. Um, and piano wise, I was playing for different choirs that we had at my homeschool co-op. And, um, so I did a little bit of everything, man. And I did a couple of side projects playing for, uh, a kind of a gospel choir, um, when I was like maybe 14. So music drums. was like a big part of when you were a kid, like that was yeah. your thing was music. Yeah, man. Music was, was it. Um, 
And honestly, the only reason I really didn't pursue it in school was uh, I feel like I'm not throwing shade at my parents, but my parents were kind of like, yo, <laughs> a lot of musicians are struggling. They're not, you know, making a living. A, a and lot they're of not them. wrong. Yeah, yeah they're not. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No shade at all. Like, like that's, that is straight up facts. I really but like, from a young age. They said musicians don't make any money. They were right, <laughs> but still. <laughs> but still, right. And so like from a young age, I was like, I want to be the exception to the rule as far as, as far as the creative arts. Like I wanted right. to find a way. I kind of vowed that I wasn't going to take a job that wasn't within my skill set because I grew up seeing mm -hmm. so many people that were in their 40s and 50s um, that were like, man, I wish I had pursued this when I was younger. I wish I had done this. I wish, I wish, I wish. And I was like, I don't want to have a bunch of wishes at the end of my life. I want to have a bunch of I dids. I accomplished this. Right. You know, and I want to be able to show that to my kids. So um, when I was young, I kind of like, I, probably in high school, I kind of shifted towards filmmaking because filmmakers make a living. <laughs> and so I was like, it's like what thing could I possibly be that will make more money than uh, <laughs> actually technically? I think filmmakers can technically make more money than, than yeah, yeah, but like general. because like you can, so many more people need. Like if I was going to find clients, mm -hmm. it's like trying to find clients that need a musician, and then trying to find clients who need a video edited, like filmed and edited. Right, and but I feel like even I find then, way more. Right, but you're right. Even then, it's like, but yeah, back then like, it was a little you, different, though. They'll pay you with experience, you know. Right, because because back then there wasn't like everybody wasn't a videographer, right? Like mm -hmm. I didn't even really know any videographers back then, honestly, that I can really think of. I know you knew were, me. You just didn't realize it. So. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I know. I was listening to you explain some of this stuff, like you growing up, and I was like, this guy is me. <laughs> you yes. know like where it's like oh i got into no i didn't do the music thing but like getting mm -hmm. into video and then editing and just yeah. loving editing and mm -hmm. and then like no one else did it like now everyone's taking photos and videos and right posting on crew, youtube man. but before nobody used to do that stuff yeah it was like three you know maybe three of us at at, at my co-op i went to that were kind of into film and and um i started collaborating with them probably more like in high school but before then i had been doing little videos here and there even um when i was younger i used to take my stuffed animals and create stories with them mm -hmm. so storytelling has always been a big thing i had my own little radio show which i guess kind of <laughs> eventually turned into the podcast i guess it's almost yeah. a precursor for that um but yeah i was um creating little pieces here and there and uh, made my first film in um uh, i count my first film as in 2011 is this film called the interrogation Okay. Um, it's basically a, a spinoff, I guess you could say, of Inception in a way, because um, I used to really like trailers, and yeah. well, I still like trailers, but like trailers get inspired best. off them because I, I couldn't see the trailers. films. <laughs> trailers, yes. are so fun. It's it's life, man. Not only just watching them, but you know, like editing on them and mm -hmm. like looking at them, studying them. Yeah. Trailer editing. It, it's so much more. I think trailer editing is like some of the most difficult types of editing, yeah. other than other than um. I guess I guess tension I would say is harder. Like yeah, silent tension is really hard. Mm -hmm. But trailer editing is difficult because it, you you can't um, like with a lot of video it's like you have a storyboard and then it's just like film this picture now film this now film this <laughs> and now cut around it it's pretty good like if you have a conversation you just cut around but like a trailer it's all about the timing it's got to match the music it's got to be paced well yes, all definitely. the sounds that go into the music behind mm -hmm. the scenes Much the respect. directions of the camera movements the matching of different 
shots, you know, because you want the shots to flow well. And so a shot going this direction, like going to the left, you might want another shot that's coming from the left and going to the right so that the eyes follow things correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, well, I'll just play the music. It's like, no, the music has to change <laughs> levels. You yes. have to put impacts with the music. And, like, there's all these things that go into trailer editing mm. that nobody realizes. And so they don't. When you when you really appreciate a trailer, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, I mean, I was memorizing trailers, bro, and can still quote some of them to you to this day. Um, but yeah, so like editing was basically how I got into filmmaking for real, for real. Um, and I did like this short documentary for a musical that I was playing playing piano on. And that was kind of like the first project that I kind of showed, and I got to show it in in Cinema Cafe, which is like a, a theater. Um, oh wow! Because, yeah, that's awesome. we, yeah, man, it, that was a really cool moment getting to sit down in the theater and see this documentary that I made on a flip camera, um, which was super awesome. And so yeah. that kind of really kicked off the filmmaking thing and started making films from there. The first time you see something you've edited in the theater, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, you know, you're just like, whoa, that's me. Yeah, I that's did probably this. the only time you're actually like looking around. <laughs> Because like yeah. the thing about with YouTube, what's so tough about it is you do all this work on this film and then you throw it online or, or film or vlog or whatever. You throw it online and it's almost like playing a musical instrument and then nobody claps. Mm-hmm. You, don't get, you don't get to see anybody watch it really. And so if nobody comments, if no one likes the video, yeah. you kind of throw it out there and then you never hear about it. And so like that's always kind of the tough part about being a video person is you can't, you don't always get that kind of the thrill of like the recital that a lot yeah. of musicians and it's stuff it's get. a it's such a cool energy to because like when i'm like you said with the recital like when i'm playing i can kind of it's what's weird but you can kind of feel the crowd energy and like for me that amps me up so much yep. like being playing in like a room with three thousand people for an event that i was at one time that was that felt like home man i was just up there like getting it and i was yeah. just playing background music but just like feeling the crowd um, and then being in the room to watch one of my films um, is an incredible thing, dude. It's nerve wracking at the same time. But then when you hear that applause at the end, bro, it's yeah. like, Phew. yeah, it is. <gasps> it's so frustrating though, because like, as you're watching it, it's like every little mistake. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I can see all that. God, yeah. Oh, that, uh, d- uh. oh, yeah. I didn't quite get that. It's nerve wracking. Right. Or, or it's like the speakers. You just want mm-hmm. to turn around to the sound guy and be like, Hey, the speakers aren't, that was supposed to be more boomy. I didn't, that wasn't, that didn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. It's like you, you, you edit the video to sound good in your headphones or you're at, mm. at your at home monitors. Yeah. And so when you play in the theater and it's like, it could sound completely different. And so yeah. most of the time though, when I played something in large, in large, large spaces it's actually made my stuff sound better. Most of the oh, time, good. I can only think of a few instances where it was like, Oh, this mix is garbage. <laughs> you know, like, this really screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> I really messed up. Um, right. Most of the time, it kind of covers like the quality of my mic. It kind of like masks around it, which is great because like all that bass response. Now, why do you think if you started off with music, I-, I can't imagine playing an instrument in front of 3,000 people and feeling that energy and getting the applause and all that stuff. I can't imagine. It. I've never done it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to imagine why you would go from that to film because i feel like film you don't get that sort of energy mm. i get that like i get that energy myself when i'm yeah. at home editing but i don't get that energy because i don't get to watch most of my movies with other people why why do that why would you switch to that i don't know if it was even a switch because other than the money 
Oh, yeah. It definitely wasn't that. I, well, and I guess in a sense it was in my mind subconsciously. Um, part, but, I, I feel like part of it could be the money, but... Yeah. I don't if know you if, don't, really if you don't switch, love editing... Yeah. You won't just... Yeah. You might as well give up. Because, like, I had, I had been into filmmaking when I was younger. I just didn't... I didn't do it as often as I did music because music was, like, a twice-a-week thing. So I was constantly doing it. Film, right. I didn't really have a camera until like my own camera until i was probably about you know 15 or 16 um mm-hmm. which was uh that's when i really started getting into film because before like my parents had like a little dv camera but i didn't know how to transfer it onto the computer to like get the footage off of it like i probably really didn't start making videos for real until youtube came out and like oh wait like i started my first channel then and i had aspirations to be a full-time youtuber but I never was consistent enough, although I did make quite a few videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, honestly, I felt like the uh, guy was calling me into um, film, and that was kind of another reason why I kind of switched over it. Um, I felt like if you know if I couldn't do music for 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 school, um, I felt like film was another avenue because it was something I was really passionate about, um, and that's how I kind of made that switch in high school to start mm-hmm. um, doing more filmmaking stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm I'm trying to kind of picture the whole story from start to finish. So you're young, you're playing <laughs> piano. Then you get some exposure in music. You get a taste of the arts and performing. And then you get your camera. And then you said you started making films in high school? I'd say more, more complete films. Because um, before it was kind of one-off. I did a few stop motion things on my webcam. Yep. Like kind of like you. Um, we're the same person man (laughs) (laughs) i know man um and uh, i really didn't what was the question again (laughs) well i'm I'm, it's not exactly like a direct question so it's Mm -hmm. gonna be a little hard to answer but like okay i know where you end up like i know more of the direction your life goes yeah right like when you you went to school and then you made this film that we'll get to Mm -hmm. um so I know where you end up, right? But I'm like trying to bridge one to the other. So like, I, 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 it sounds like through high school you started doing like more serious films, and like, did you have a big crew of people that you did it with? And like, nah, bro. How did you build that? Like, I, <laughs> I always had the issue because I couldn't find, I couldn't find anyone who was into it like I was. Yeah, and so I, I, I kind of, like- I got made fun of on set. They were oh. like. Oh, hey, Luke, it's Luke the dictator. I mean, uh, director, you know, because uh, I, I was yeah. always like, you know, like I was kind of high strung like that, too, man. Yeah, because it's like I wanted it to be good. Um, yeah, I had, I had like a crew. A I had a crew, man. I had like, well, I don't know if it was really a crew, but I had like we had this company called 3CG Entertainment, which is basically me, uh, my friend Michael, my friend Andrew. And um, that was kind of like my core crew for creating stuff in high school. So it was as far four, as like, four people or three people? Three. It was three. I was so the third one. you and one. three people. Oh, three yeah. people total. Okay. Yeah, three people total. And those were kind of like my go-to guys for anything. And we we were overly ambitious because my friend Michael is this huge dreamer guy. He's got mm-hmm. a really a lot of great ideas. But This is know. not the Michael on the podcast. No, different Michael. Okay. His, okay. his name is Michael <laughs> Salas. Yeah, <laughs> not Michael like, Knapp. Michael yeah, not a that Michael. We'll make fun of him. We'll make fun of him later. <laughs> oh Michael, so Michael on the podcast, just for everyone listening, is in the band Keycentric with. You guys are still in the band together, right? Yeah, he, yeah, sort he's of? part of the crew. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was like. It hasn't been mentioned in a while, so I, I'll, I'll see what. what yeah, you I'll have talk. To say about I'll, I'll clarify more on that later. But yeah. it, but when 
Michael has mentioned Keycentric before. This is the the Keycentric guy he's been talking mm-hmm. about. So, so we'll make fun of Michael later. I would love for you to. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. I want to know what he's like to work with when he's a musician. <laughs> like, is he late? You know, does he blame his problems on other people? I, I was a problem uh, child. Task at hand. Task at hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So. So you have the three people. Yeah, those are like those are like my core guys, and then a lot of my other best friends. They weren't really filmmakers, but my my man Nee would always help out whenever I needed him. He helped out on this film called Project Prime, which I never finished it because it was way too many scenes. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I ended up I ended up we did shoot one we shot about three sequences, but only really one was usable. So I just turned that. Actually, my friend Michael kind of turned it into uh, like a short. So he edited, I believe he edited it and he turned it into a short called The Raid. And so okay. I put I put that, I did put that out. I was like, well, I'm not going to finish the project. I'm at least going to put out this scene and just have it be an action scene. And I actually, I made a lot of films with my, um, my next door neighbor as well. We made a few films together and we had a YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, it was like, I was still doing music heavily a lot like yeah. that was music was life but film was starting to become this passion and hobby film um, is so interesting because there's so many different pieces to it because it's mm-hmm. photography yeah. music rhythm acting like play acting almost yeah writing it's like it's almost all of the arts put together is right film. and I think that's why I was attracted to it because I'd been acting since I was a kid too I wasn't as serious an actor but I always acted in my own stuff um, I always, I did a few drama plays here and there, even mm-hmm. did a little poetry in my last year of high school. Um, so like anything art related except for drawing and painting, I can't do that well, Wait, but really? I did, but I, but no, I actually did take, um, lessons for maybe about three years, um, three or four years, um, taking drawing lessons. And so I actually have some paintings at home that okay. I, I kind of like them, but you know, so you, you know, can I didn't do it. You just don't. Love it. No, I can't do it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they, but though, but they actually look the, the ones I do have at home are somewhat decent, so I wouldn't okay. be ashamed of showing that to someone. But okay. that is not that is not uh, it's not my, my life. Yeah, not it's your not life. my life. Yeah, but so, I have appreciation for it. What What did you use to edit when you were in high school? Like, what was your go to editor? <laughs> okay, so don't say off, Windows Movie Maker. Well, it, it was at first no. Windows Movie Maker. Yep, oh. when, at first, at first Windows Movie Maker. That was the go-to. I don't know how. Which is that, garbage software. It is so yeah. awful. Yeah. But I, everyone started with it because I didn't have a that Mac. That WMV file, I, bro. You know, bro, it was terrible. Stupid. Um, I hate that. Every time I find that file, I get angry. But yeah, I Windows mean, I, I had a webcam, bro. Like, I did a lot of stuff on a webcam. Like, my next-door neighbor yeah. had a laptop, and we would just turn the turn the, the laptop around so we could film ourselves. Um, and, <laughs> edit, and then I would edit it with, from the webcam footage. Um, and then I, I finally, once I got a better computer, I got Sony Vegas platinum 11. We're the same person. <laughs> That's what I use. Sony Vegas movie studio platinum 11. Yep. That's, That's the, I think I use the same one. I think I use 11. I had this, the gray box. Vegas is good. Yeah. Vegas, Vegas was actually no, really good. Yeah. I wish I, I, I always wanted to get pro, but, um, yeah, man, I was using Sony Vegas movie studio platinum 11. And yep. that joint got me through, bro. That got mm-hmm. me good well into probably like my s- sophomore year of college before I mm-hmm. stopped using it. Um, but yeah, they wanted I, you to use Final Cut or Adobe. Adobe, yeah, Adobe, yeah, but Adobe. it's way right. better than that. So, um, but well, yeah, I, I use Sony so Vegas. Like, I know I used um, Windows Movie Maker, mm-hmm. 
And then I got like a free version of Premiere. It was like Premiere LE. Yeah. Like the light edition. Mm-hmm. Then I bought Vegas. So I had the Ve- the studio platinum, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I really did. Um, yeah. I edited. Uh, what did I edit? Excuse me. What did I edit on that one? I edited that Jake versus Luke video on, on Vegas. Oh, word. That was all in Vegas. I don't know. I had um, the patience, bro. I, I honestly don't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, so you had Vegas and then in school you started learning Premiere. Yeah, and there were a couple other programs, one-off programs that I used someone in between there. Um, I used, have you heard of HitFilm? Yeah. Oh, it used to be called FX Home. Yeah, I That's used. That's what I used for my special effects. Yeah, bro, come on. I did the lightsabers with FX Home. Bro, my friend gave me a copy of FX Studio. I think, it, I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the lower versions, but I did this kind of really VFX heavy uh, shoot in, right when I started college, and I did all my special effects in there, bro. It was painstaking, but I yeah. somehow made it through. <laughs> I mean, now now that you have like the, um, what is it? The After Effects and Premiere collaboration, like the mm-hmm. way you can just like swap out compositions. Yeah. But like back in the day, I had to use FX Home. I'd have to like render out a piece of the clip, yeah. send it down, pull it in, re-render it, pull it mm-hmm. back in. Yeah. Such a pain. Yeah, but man. Like it, it looked good. Like the lightsabers I did, everyone, everyone loved them. You know, bro. I did like a whole interactive Avengers fan film thing. Really? Where you could choose to be either. Um, I I was trying to do the main four Avengers, but I kind of lost them. Uh, the we didn't we never finished shooting it. But it was like you could be Hulk or you could be Thor. I did all these lightning effects in first person, <laughs> bro. I don't know how I had the patience for it, man. But I mean, yeah. it, it looks all right. But like you know, I was. Did just you really, like fall out of the special effects? It didn't keep your interest as much. Yeah, yeah. It was it was too time consuming for me. So basically, basically from there on out, um, if I did VFX on a project, which I did a lot sometimes, I would basically watch a tutorial and then just do that effect verbatim and maybe change a few things. But like mm-hmm. I would always just kind of do it a project by project basis. I never planned it out. It was always like, okay, how can I, I shot something. How can I achieve this effect? And I was mm-hmm. somewhat smart about it. Like I did watch tutorials on how to shoot this shot. Um, but a lot of it was just figuring out as I go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that that's it. I feel like when you're younger, it, it's just like digging around on a piano mm-hmm. where it's like, you just kind of have to want to do it. Cause if you don't want to do it, that that's like the, okay. There's so many people that, talk about video or like I want to be a director but you have to just like doing it like yeah. I for fun will just pull footage onto my computer and just mess around with it I'll mm-hmm. put headphones on I'll do it for four hours just yeah. I just get sucked into it yeah it's so like addicting mm-hmm. you know and if you're not like that or if you don't find ways to to, to like enjoy it in that way mm-hmm. um, I don't know I don't know how you could do it because yeah. you just got to spend so much time just messing around with it. Yeah, for me, uh, jumping a little bit ahead, but for me, it's kind of transitioned to the project basis. Like, what project am I working on? Like, I want to do some audio dramas, and I want to start writing those. And um, for me, it's like a really about the story. Now, I'm not necessarily like I'm going to be a director. Like, right. no, I will direct films, but I'm going to be doing this, this, and this, and all these other things. But you want to create something that's entertaining to people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. Is that your main goal? Like, what's your, I think you asked me this question on your podcast, but like, why, Dang it. <laughs> hang on, I'll steal it. Uh, why create stuff? Why make films? Why do you like know. doing it? It just like for anything, man, it just gives me life. Like to see 
like I don't know what I would do if I wasn't creating something. Um, I get restless a lot, man. I'm like, dang, do I have bored. No, I don't know if it's bored. Um, but it's more like, man, I haven't created anything in a while. I need to go create something and I'll just go do something. I don't care mm. what it is. Like, uh, rather that's just testing out some audio software and doing like a, a short little audio skit or something that, like actually, but that's what I mean. So when I say mm-hmm. bored, I don't mean like sitting at home, like, ho hum, what shall I do? But okay. bored, like I know how to edit video. What, what, what can I learn now? Yeah. I really know how to like that happened with my podcast where I was like, I know how to do video. I need, I want to try something else. Let's try talk show, radio, like yeah. podcast. I think, I don't know how I to think do you're, that. I think it's a little bit of that because I do remember, um, I, I'm a, I'm a researcher on topics. I'll get attached to something for like a month and just research it nonstop and then move on to something else. Like I'll research how to create, um, I'll watch a bunch of, a ton of tutorials on VFX or whatever. And then the next month I'm trying to learn VR filmmaking and then yep. I'll jump to, oh, how do you create audio dramas? And I'll go learn a bunch of stuff on that. Um, and so There's something all those, about like the obsession. It's like for some yeah. reason you just get into it and you're just like, I got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And like all these, and also now I like, have all these things that I want to do just floating around in my head. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I have like a list of, um, man, I haven't done my uh, live action comic book project yet as far as like creating, using live, using images and then creating a basically a motion comic from regular images so i've done that project yet still haven't done my vr project yet although i bought a 360 camera um so yeah, i like these things that that you just uh i i think it, there's something about the itch because i mm-hmm. have the itch right now where it's like oh, i got you something else yeah what can i and do it's I also like and it's also like i feel like you know god has called me to like share share positivity with people and share inspiration um and brighten people's day because i'm a very happy-go-lucky person um, and so even in my interactions with people, I'm always trying to get someone to smile and like, you know, brighten their day. And so like, I think that bleeds through the art that I create sometimes, like, especially with my music. Um, and that's really another thing that brings me joy is to like share, share the love of God with someone and brighten their day and make them know that everything's going to be okay. Even if it's like a silly short film, but it made them laugh. Right. You know? that that gives me joy you know now you started this podcast young creative hustlers is what it's called and can you give me a synopsis i i I could basically say what it is but do you have like an official synopsis of what it what it's supposed to be um it's a podcast for young creatives who are looking to make a living by their art and by what they do um and that goes back to when i was young feeling like um man i'm not gonna take a job where i'm not using my creative skills and, you know, it's not necessarily I'm making films every day, right? But I'm using these skills for video editing. And now I've learned social media marketing from doing my job. And I can use that and not be bored all day because <laughs> I am being challenged. And it, it is hard a lot of the times, but I'm making money from editing videos. Yeah. Like yep. nine, I have a nine to five job doing that. And I could be ungrateful about it while I'm not creating narrative projects right but <laughs> like i can narrative project <laughs> no oh, story no, but, i'm not but but at the same time i'm not working at chick-fil-a you know no offense no, do what you got to do don't, right. get, don't get it twisted everyone's like excuse me i'm saying What's don't get it twist don't get it twisted now um but like for me like that's been that's always been a, a dream of mine is to be able to create um and 
and and have those times because even I do have times where I get to do super creative stuff at work and I'm getting right. paid to do that and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Even even outside of just getting paid, it's like so many people spend all day at work doing something they hate doing. Exactly. And so it's like if you enjoy it 50% of the time, that's insane. Because some mm-hmm. people hate their job all day. They get to Exactly. I, like I've been in jobs before where I sit down at my desk first thing in the morning and that the first thing I do at the job is go, "Oh, I don't want to be here." Time for a break. <laughs> it's like when when's lunch? Like as soon as I sit down. And yeah. and that's just not a good way to live. To, yeah, cuz it's like well, you're spending 8 hours a day, 40 hours a week a good portion of your life unhappy at your job. And so if you have a job that is enjoyable, at least part of the time mm-hmm. and then like even not? just semi enjoyable most of the time, yeah, that's a blessing just in of itself. Exactly, bro. Cause like I said, like I've met so many people that have been like, yeah, I wish I had a, uh, really pursue what I wanted to do or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Not going to be that old. Yeah, what, man. Do you, what do you not want to be? Like when you pursued this, you know, it sounds like you want to be in the arts, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be in a cubicle. You don't want to, or, well, I mean, you might be in a cubicle, but you don't want to be, I don't know. I'm trying to think about myself too. Like what's my, I, there's, there's a good exercise to do to say, what is my heaven and what is my hell? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I could visualize the worst life I could possibly have my hell, what would it be? Yeah. Right? And it's like being worthless not being good at anything, not having any friends, being isolated in my room all day, every day, um, feeling pathetic, you know, like all these things, like what, what's my worst life? Yeah. And then on the contrary, now what's my best life? What's, what's heaven for me, mm-hmm. you know, on, on this earth? And then compare the two and say, okay, so now that I know that this is where I don't want to be, I think I said this on your podcast about going east and west, mm-hmm. where I said... I want to know what direction I'm going in or want to go in so that if I'm going in the wrong direction, I at least know, oh, I'm supposed oh, to go Oh, no. Way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, this is hell. Throw it over there. This is heaven. Throw it over there. So if I start doing something that I know is pushing me in tor- towards hell, like my life is hell, yeah. then I know I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm. And so for you, what I'm asking, I guess, is like what – how do you know? Like, how do you know when you're heading in the direction that you want to head in? Is it a feeling mm. or like, I'm, I'm sure you get outside counsel, you know, your parents had some insight on the, when they said music, don't do it, <laughs> do something else, <laughs> you know, talk, talk to me about that. Like, how, how did you get where you are? What, what made you end up down this path other than the curiosity? Yeah, man. Um, man, that's a, that's a really tough question. Yeah. I'm trying to figure um, out how to make it easier. I don't. So I keep throwing stuff. I know. In. I know. Um, honestly, bro, like it's kind of been one step at a time because um, jumping back to to college. Um, you talk about film school a little bit because you went yeah to school for film. Yeah, I went to film school um, all four, four years. years. Yeah, like all you four did. Years. There wasn't like a a midlife crisis at college. No, where you're like, I gotta it, go somewhere else. It was film. I, from I the beginning. went. I went all in, bro. Um, my dad did make me get uh, a minor in IT but I dropped it like my second or third year because like the classes were draining me. I was like, dad, really? I'm not doing this anymore. Like <laughs> these classes are bringing my grades down. Um, cause you know, I still had to do academic classes throughout, but like, I'm like, dad, these are bringing my grades down. I hate what well, I don't hate, but I very much just like being in class. I'm mm. not grasping the material. 
this is not for me. I know you want me to have a backup plan, but I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure I have a job. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to do it. And so I did film school and I was shooting nonprofit videos. I was creating videos for my church. So I was exercising that videography arm, um, getting them, getting them lifts in. Yeah. So I was, I was doing that throughout college and, um, and then I graduated and basically over the summer, I was actually acting in a few commercials. Uh, I landed some local commercials that a lot of people saw. Um, and I was doing freelance stuff here and there. Um, but I wasn't really like driven. I guess you could say I was kind of like waiting for opportunities to come knock at my door. And I was like, oh, I can be a freelance actor and a freelance <laughs> filmmaker because I was in this one commercial. that right. I, I was actually in two, but um, pay was pretty good, too. Um, but I was like, I can do this. And, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't doing anything. Well, it's the ability to not say no. It's like, can you act? Not really. Do you want to be in a commercial? Why not? Like, I might as well try it. See how yeah. it goes. You know, well, it's like I, I had sent in a tape, actually. Um, a friend of mine that I went to school with, he was directing um, for this uh, media company. And he's like, hey, bro, send me a tape. Because he had seen me in a few other things. He's like, hey, send me a tape. And so I sent a tape. And then they cast me in the commercial and then they brought me back for a second one when my friend was gone. So I was like, okay, I knew it wasn't him bringing me on. Like <laughs> they actually liked me in the, in the yeah, spot. Nice. So that was really cool. So I kind of got my head blown up a little bit. Um, <laughs> You're but, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so good at this. I'm going to put together my reel. But like, um, <laughs> I know actually I did kill that spot, but <laughs> I did. I did. I have a very specific skill set on acting. Um, but I, I, I uh, actually, I've said this to people. I'm like, I can act. So long as it's like just look in directions and like run around and look like an action hero. Mm -hmm. That's all I can do. Yeah. If it's, <laughs> you know? if it's close to my personality. If you want me to say anything? No. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. I can do like a really good ad voice and I do that a lot at work. I do that a lot for voiceover. So that, that You do it in that, your podcast too. Like, yeah. Hey, my name is Josh Williamson. Welcome to another episode of the... <laughs> yeah. Know? So this spot was like perfect for me because that's what I do. But doing realistic stuff? No, I can I'm not that great. I have to really work at that. Um, but so yeah, I was chilling. Yeah, like I want to I focus on the film school part. Okay. Of this. Oh, I'll go, I'll go um, deeper. Yes, I'll go stop. deeper. Shh. Film school. Let's focus okay. On the craft. Um, yeah. But I mean, you learned how to do all this stuff in school. Uh, you left. Not the necessarily. <laughs> well, okay. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> how do you feel about film school? Because I did film and I, and I, so like just brief for the people listening, like I did stop motion stuff when I was younger and I did some action stuff when I got older. Then I did a couple short films. Mm -hmm. Then I worked for a company for this like one guy and did a bunch of like filming recitals and weddings and support okay. highlight videos, like all that sort of editing. Nice. Right? Yeah. Um, noting like realizing this is what being a video editor probably would be. Like if I got this job video editing, I wouldn't be editing my own short films. Yeah. I would be editing stuff like this corporate work yeah yeah and so then i kind of stopped doing video then i started picked it up with my vlogs and then i did a short film so like that's mm -hmm. my filmmaking experience but i never went to film school and i know some people that did go to film school mm -hmm. and i guess i was surprised it's like there's book smart film people yes where they know all the lens names and all the rules, the rule of thirds, and both the storyboard first, and oh, you should have slate for everything. It's like you just you're just doing what the book told you to do. Yeah. But your films are no good. You know, like right. I don't like their films, and it's because they just a rule like, tell me what to do and I'll do it type filmmakers. And they're not shooting films either. They're just doing it 
for class projects and that's yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like they're more concerned about having the cool camera with the cool lights than they are about like, is this film going to be good? Are people going to then five it? years they end up selling their gear. Yeah, um, and how they spent five thousand dollars on a lens and then it's like, yeah. Dude, you, you need to know how to shoot with this thing. Okay, so but what I'm asking you is, so you did go to film school, so I did. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the benefits of going to film school is the networking mm-hmm. and the experience you can grab from other people because you're just around other filmmakers. Right. Um, and then you get the degree that you can like throw around. Like I have a film degree. Nobody but other cares. than that, <laughs> what else do you think? Like, how do you feel about film school? Um, you've gone through it. It's too dang high. Um. The price wise, <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely in today's environment, I definitely don't feel like film school is a requirement because most of the people I know that were, even the the beast mode people at film school were the ones that were actually shooting stuff outside of class projects, and those were the people that were, I knew that were going to be successful. Um, and so like even if you don't go to film school, if you're doing like you said on my podcast and constantly creating stuff. You're going to be miles ahead of anybody that comes you out of film school. You have to like school. love doing it. Mm-hmm. You just cannot go to Oops. school. You can't do film. How do I explain this? It's like you can't do creative stuff like this mm-hmm. for the grade. Yeah. You have to want to do it because you want to do it well. And you know what's funny? Because like for our senior projects, like a lot of my friends I know, we despise our senior projects. Because oh, like, do you not like was, your senior project? Uh, it could have been a whole lot better. Um, but like, a lot of us like don't like our senior projects or didn't finish them. And I saw that a lot from people I went to school with. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna finish my senior project, even if I don't like it. I put right. it out on Facebook. I finished it. Boom, it's done. Um, and I realized from working on that project, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna work on anything if I'm not super passionate about it because I don't. I'm stressed out. And I don't want to be stressed out when it's very something. St- filmmaking is stressful when you really mm-hmm. get into it. And especially when you kind of care about something, but you don't care. It's very hard to fight through that stress. <laughs> um, and I was super frustrated on that project, but uh, I made it through and we finished it. Um, where was I going with that? Well, you're um, talking about like film school, like all these people didn't finish their project. Yeah. Um, and you wanted to make sure that you finished it. So yeah. your project, you're but, done. Okay. Now I remember I was going to say, yeah, but a lot of the people, like they were more happy with projects that they shot on the weekends, like, or had done uh, for another class that wasn't like this whole hallmark of their education. And um, that was kind of my story too. Like a lot of the other films I made in, in college, I really liked a lot. Um, And one of them kind of blew up a little bit. Yeah. This, Uh, that's what like definitely a big bullet point of what we want to talk about. Um, Because, I'm trying to think there's there's a lot of things that everyone gets to experience pretty much. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through puberty, right? Everyone knows what that's like. It just <laughs> sucks. We've all experienced it, right? Yeah. We've all probably had our hearts broken. We've all been uh, like hurt and had to grow up from that. We have all like positive things. We all learned how to drive for the most part. Like we got our license. Um we had like a special moment, whether it's like on our birthday or something. We all have these experiences of things you get to feel and they're all different. Yeah. But the experience of making something and it going viral, not a lot of people get to experience that. And so mm-hmm. you had a film that you did 
Did you have any idea, before we tell them what the film was, did you have any idea when you made it that this might blow up? No. Uh, None? Well, yes, really? Well yes, well, yes and no. Because I'm looking at the film going, yeah, it makes sense why it blew up. Yes and no. You know? Are you talking about the film or the trailer? Well, the, I thought the film was the one that got that did bitter, wasn't it? Yeah, but the trailer was one that kicked it off. Okay. Um, but I'll talk about both. Um, but it, uh, making the trailer, I, I knew that it could be something. But then making the film, dude, I was depressed. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> Wait, hold up. Let's back up. Okay. Tell them what this project was. Okay, so 2015, I'm a junior in, in high school, and or sorry, college, and I now hear I was like, about- Wait a second. No, no, no. No, that's the fake news. Fake news, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm a junior in college, and I hear about this contest that my local Comic-Con is doing, and there, it was a superhero trailer contest. Basically, make a superhero trailer for a film that hasn't come out yet or doesn't exist. And at the time, um, Miles Morales, the black Spider-Man slash Hispanic Spider-Man, had just came out maybe like three years prior. So he was kind of a new character and some people knew him. And, but there wasn't really any content around him online, and which was key into this factor. So um, I remember seeing someone I know with the with his costume on. And so I kind of, I think I had a dream remember seeing that in my mind. And I was like, Hey, do you have this costume? And he showed me the costume. and I didn't want to use it in the film, but I found another website that I could buy the costume for. So I basically like, okay, I'm going to make a miles Morales, Spider-Man fan trailer for this contest. So I got all the, I got this really dope guy named Josiah to DP the project. And to date is probably my best looking Thing I've ever done because of him <laughs> um, and he agreed to work with me and super incredible guy really good cinematographer and um, I set out to act in the film as Miles oh, it was a trailer but act in the trailer as Miles Morales which is so interesting because like it, it's almost like you you did a lot of effort like you, you put work into it you came yeah. up with the idea mm-hmm. you planned it out you wrote it and you executed it well but mm-hmm. on top of that it's like all the pieces fell together yeah. because you look like Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Like you could be cast as him. Like you, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not even saying you're black. You look like him. No, it's like you look like the character. Like mm-hmm. you, you have the voice. You got the look. You got the body type. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if if I was like looking at people that I know that look like Miles Morales in Spider Verse, you would mm-hmm. be on the list. Mm-hmm. So it like worked out. It's like not only is it your passion project, yeah. You can play the main character, mm-hmm. and so it, it just adds. The passion goes throughout not only the acting but the directing and the editing. Yeah, you know? it's crazy, bro. Because um, at somebody had posted on my wall like uh, this picture from Miles Morales where it said, "I am Spider Man." He's like, "Hey, bro, this kind of looks like you." And that was yeah. another kind of subconscious thing that I remembered, and I was like, "Well, let me just do this." I don't know much about the character, but I started doing my research. Uh, my friend Michael uh, Salas helped me write the script, and. We just went out and did it, bro. Like we were running around at this church in their alleyway shooting stuff. We were on top of a roof. You got a Spider-Man costume on. I just, I'm just out running, just running around outside. We, we, we got this like freaking, um, what is it? Like a, like a sawmill place or whatever that let us come shoot there. And basically we just ran around and got shots at this place. And because it was a trailer, I knew that I could edit it together and make it make sense. Um, so we just got a bunch of just cool looking shots. Um, I, but yeah, basically I directed it. I starred in it. Uh, I co-wrote it and I edited it. And, um, 
Josiah DP'd it and kind of helped give direction on set as well. Um, and we just did it, dude. And I made it. I finished it. Um, I turned it in for the contest. And then we did a screening um, on the day of Comic-Con. And I told them not to say what the title of it was. I said, don't say what the title of it is. I said, wait until it shows up. And then people watching the trailer like, oh, this is cool. But then as soon as they saw me in the costume in like halfway through the trailer, they're like, what? No, <laughs> All the Miles, nerds. It's Miles Morales. Oh, dude, he did Miles Morales. Oh, my it's gosh. Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah, because he was only like three years old at the time. So he was still a new character. But well, he was, and all those comic book nerds, like just the fact yeah. that they know who he is. That was, a, that was gonna the, the right audience. It's going to be the exciting thing for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what Bro. I'm saying. It, it all just up. like fell perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not saying that like you just got so lucky it all fell into place. I mean, you you like had a good idea. It was the right timing. You did dude. it the right way. Mm-hmm. You did it the, with the right people. Yes. Um, it was a god right thing, time, man. Honestly, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Where it's like just 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 yeah. nailed it. Nick yeah, bro. Stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. And then we put it online, and then it just kept gradually getting views. It wasn't really an overnight success. But it kind of just kept climbing, kept climbing, hit 100,000, hit 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. It's at 800,000 now after, you know, uh, almost four years now. Um, yeah. Or actually going on five. That's so um, insane. Like, the, can you think? That's 10 football fields. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't a football field like 80,000? I, I guess. 10 I football fields of people. <laughs> and you're like, I did this, you know? Like, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, and Brian Michael Bendis, the creator of Miles Morales, saw the trailer back in the day when it came out, and he's like, "I love this. This is dope." That's and so cool. That was kind of like the icing on the cake, and um, that kind of put me on a path to create this bigger Spider-Man actual film. And that film was called Superior Crisis, and I actually, till this day, still like the script a lot. But I tried to do a Kickstarter, and it failed miserably. Oof. Kickstarter's really? rough, bro. Yeah, I'm so afraid of doing it, something like that, and then it doesn't work. You got to have your list together, but you got to have your people together beforehand. That was the thing I learned. I know, because it's like nobody, <laughs> for some reason, nobody wants to be the first one to give money. Mm-hmm. You got to have people set up the date. You got to have like a first, you need an email list to, to, to actually be in communication with people that want your product. And then you got to have a specific launch strategy. But I could just kind of put it out because I got, you know, 500,000 views that people were just going to come donate to the project. Right. Um, but like it was super ambitious, too expensive of a project. I was asking for 10k to do the Spider-Man fan film. Now, I, I granted what we wanted to do, it didn't need that money. But like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right? Like I would have screwed. Did. That. At least you tried it. Yeah, I did. You're right. I did. I did try it and <laughs> scarred me for life from Kickstarter. <laughs> um, You're just like the walk of shame away from it. Like, bro, I think we raised like maybe 80 bucks at the most. Like oh, after man. the first day, it just like tanked. Not even um, 1%. Nah, I don't think we hit 1%. Well, we may have. I, you know what? I think it was around maybe 145 at the most, I think. Um, but it failed miserably. And from there, I was like, dang, I want to make a Spider-Man film, but I can't do this. And so I rewrote the script, made another film. Wait, what kind of crazy stuff was in the first script that would have <sighs> cost $10,000? Um, Like S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, as far as like interior shots, um, superior Spider-Man arms. Like a superior Spider-Man was in the story. Um, Who's superior? I don't know who that is. Uh, he's like basically when there's in the comics where Peter Doc Ock basically takes over Peter's body 
and he says he's going to become the superior Spider-Man and basically become a better version of Spider-Man oh, than so Spider-Man, Spider-Man was. Spider-Man with like the, the octopus arms? Well, uh, later on, but it's like basically Doc Ock inside of Peter's body. And okay. so that was like a whole comic book. People hated it. People, some people loved it. Um, but the character always intrigued me because of how ruthless he was because he was mm-hmm. kind of a ruthless version of Spider-Man. Um, and so I was uh, taking the Spider-Man No More storyline with Miles Morales and adapting it with um, adding superior Spider-Man in the mix as a Spider-Man that kind of appears. Um, but yeah, it failed miserably. Um, and so then I wrote another film and we were getting ready to shoot it, but the script just sucked. Honestly, like it just, it didn't have my heart and passion into it. Right. Then it was I one of those things. Hold up. I have so many projects like that where I'm like <laughs> editing. Yes. Directing. Yes. Cinematography. Yes. And then it's like, you gotta write a script. It's, oh, I have to have a story. Yeah. What? And that's, it, I hate that because I'm not a script writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, it, it was cohesive, but it was just like, I don't want to make this. This doesn't intrigue me. And right. then we ended up writing like a four part miniseries, <laughs> like a four part, like miniseries. I didn't know all this. Yeah, all dude. This, like, this, process. This, yes. We, we wrote a four part miniseries and we started shooting it. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing because I wasn't organized. And we shot maybe like two scenes for that film. And I, I used it in the promotional images though. Now, <laughs> So for the the actual film, mm-hmm. this is a Spider-Man. It's like a how long was it again? I, I watched it a while. It's about ago. eight minutes long. Yeah, and it's got Miles Morales. You play Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how was the production on that? Like you know, I watch my <laughs> film or any. I know you watch any film, and it's like mm-hmm. this seems simple. They're in like two locations. It's yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it's like, dude, just so it's all when you the pain. get to a certain point in film, you're just like. I just, I'm tired. Of Dude, time. there was just so much pain leading up to that because the miniseries fell apart. Um, like some of the crew I was working with was kind of like not committed. And so it kind of fell apart there. Um, and I was basically like, I wasn't on my own, but like I only had like a few people that wanted to help out. So um, we rewrote the miniseries and basically into an eight minute film. And I went and got like two locations or no, it's technically one location. And then my friend where we shot the rooftop on the, on the first trailer, let me um, let us come back um, because it was like his dad's church. And so they let us come back and film there. And basically the whole film was shot in 12 hours maybe, but like, it was like a 10 hour day and then like a two hour day. It was madness, bro, because we were doing, trying to do fight like five, six or five, six or seven beats of fight scenes all in one day, scrambling around with like three characters that are fighting each other. And what'd it was you like, guys, what'd you guys do for like audio? It was all done in post. Oh, really? Every single thing in that film was done in post for audio. Bro. ADR? The entire thing. No. I heard horror stories about ADR, but I was like, no, nope, I'm going to nail it. I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to nail it. And I did. And I was like, we went to the studio and we just, I was like, okay, I have do to it. watch it again because I watched it on like my phone. Yeah, you can tell, you can tell in a, quite a few spots that it's ADR if you really listen to it, uh, but most people didn't notice. Um, yeah, I didn't notice. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, and you're ADR, like, ADR though is such a, oh, for the just audience. So, uh, ADR <laughs> is, uh, uh, isn't it? It's called automated dialogue replacement. Automated. But it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't automated yeah. though. <laughs> automated dialogue replacement. So you basically take a clip of people saying their lines and maybe they mm-hmm. didn't record it very well. Like the audio yeah. was off 
And so you go into a studio and you have your actors re-say the lines, you re-record the audio and you put it mm-hmm. over the video. Yep. And it's such a nightmare because human beings are so good at recognizing the movement of the mouth. Mm-hmm. And so if it's off even just a little bit, everyone notices. Yep. There's and at least so, three shots where I'm not happy how it turned out. But most of it, I'm like, I was in a mask. And so I got away oh, with a lot true. of it. Oh, that's true. I forgot you're wearing a mask for most yep. of it. Yep. So that, that, helped, that helped with the help get away with so some stuff. all the audio in that movie is is in post or is some yeah, of it every no every even every, like the room tones and everything yep i made sure Footsteps, i got steps yep everything. every single thing oh, i man you should see the timeline bro like i, I did all that um over the course of three months or whatever um <laughs> just paint. like every little footstep and movement oh, mm-hmm. man. i have so many horror stories about that kind of stuff where it, you just no one knows I, yeah. I sympathize for you I get it because it's like I've done it and it's like because I was like the sound yeah the sound on set was alright so I was like I'm not going to have this in, in, I'm like I'm going to do ADR and that was the majority of the film process was doing the ADR I know it takes so long mm-hmm. oh. but like so we shot the film in 12 hours like a mad it was a madhouse bro and I don't know how we did it and I included Spider Gwen because she was also a new character at the time and I wanted to introduce like the seeds of Spider Verse, which is a big comic book storyline, which they you know they just which did a the lot film. of people know of now. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie, and they use Spider Gwen, of course. And I wanted to, and there were no Spider Gwen films at the time, yeah. and so I was like, I want to make sure I include her. And there was only at least maybe one other big Miles Morales fan film at the time as well. So like it was just prime time for Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, and I think they had, I think they announced Spider Verse like the year after, um. And when Spider-Verse came out, like my views spiked up again because of those search terms. Yep. Um, but anyways, editing the film, I was so depressed. <laughs> I was like, why? Because it, I w- when, we, when I wrote the script and when we shot it, I was trying to have it be super serious. And the way the shots looked and the way the edits were turning out, it did not match up oh, the no. vibe at all. So literally, dude, I was depressed. And then one day I was like, well, what if I added voiceover like the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show where he does fourth wall break, although I'm not a big fan of that show, but, you know, what if I did like fourth wall breaking stuff and like added commentary as Miles Morales to what was going on to kind of lighten the tone? And once I did that, everything clicked. Really? Um, yeah, everything yeah. clicked. And I was like, oh, I can edit it like this and I can turn these moments into this. And one of the moments everybody loves and quotes in the film, I say like, bruh. I'm like, I should go and show up from another universe and not have a plan. Bruh. Like, that was totally improvised. And that's like everybody's favorite line from watching the film. And they always put it in the comment section. And that was totally like from desperation of, how can I save this film? Mm-hmm. And I but did that's it. why the, the passion project makes such a difference. Because mm-hmm. you were so passionate about it. You're like, I want this to work. It doesn't work. I want this to work. Yeah. It's not like, will this get me an A? Mm-hmm. It was like, will I be happy with this? And that's yeah. such a higher bar. Because at that point, this had been in the making for a year. If you count the time developing the other film that we, we trashed or can. Yeah. But like, it had been a year at that point. I was like, I got to finish this thing. And then we put it out, man. And uh, it paid off. Yeah. Tell, yeah, tell, tell the audience. What, it's what at, uh, I think, 2.5 million views right now. And... Um, <sighs> It didn't like blow up overnight. It wasn't like one day it was at a hundred. Oh, two point three. Sorry, um, it wasn't like one day it was 
zero views and the next day it was like 500,000. It was a gradual thing over time, but it grew a lot faster than my other one did. So yeah. it's going on three years now in December. So, you know, it's racked up to 2.5 million views. Yeah, that's awesome. It really is. Like it, it would, it's like so many people just want to go viral like one time. Like they want to have one big video like that. Yeah. And so the fact that like you've done it, You've done it for the rest of your life. You can always say like, you know, when YouTube was like still kind of early on, mm-hmm. I had a hit video two mm-hmm. two some blah, blah, blah views. Yeah. You know, like you can tell your kids that forever, forever. Yeah. You can always say you've mm-hmm. done that. Yeah. And before they ever do Miles Morales live action, I could say I got to do it. <laughs> I did it first. I played him. Yeah. I was Miles Morales before <laughs> this film. Yeah. Or we're trying to do one more right now. Um, we've been developing that for a while, but the story it's still falling together. I think we're overthinking it too. So doing one more. Yeah. Interesting. Little, little side scoop for my podcast. Yeah. Another video. <laughs> mm-hmm, one more. Yeah. Good. I mean, I've done more films besides that, but like those were like the, the biggest, the if biggest what, ones. This, this, I keep forgetting what was on my podcast and what was on yours. It's that niche market. Cause mm-hmm. like the comic book fans that know who Miles Morales is, mm-hmm. this is in the past was such a small number of people. Yep. But every single one of them would freak out at your trailer. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Because nothing was existed. Yeah, because like, it's like no one targeted that tiny little market yet. Mm-hmm. There were you know? plenty and of... So, yeah, there were plenty of Peter Parker, Spider-Man films out there, of course. And, you know, it was harder to blow up there because um, there were so many in the market. But when there were like zero Miles Morales fan films and you put out something, there was one other one by a channel called Robot Underdog, and theirs was way better than mine, um, uh, which I love that, love their what they did. They basically adapted like the first one, like parts of the first comic that came out. It was more of a direct all adaption. All the traffic that goes to them goes to me. Bam. So, <laughs> so like, it's like. I was feeding, I was basically feeding the audience, man. And like that racked up my channel to 10,000 subscribers, like over the course of, you know, four years, like that literally that's the only way people subscribe to my channels because of those two things. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. You just got to find what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think you found it. Cause it's like, like I said, you, you fit the part, you've got the voice, you've got the passion and then you're the director and writer. And so it's like, you know, if you're the actor, let's say that you're just the actor. Mm-hmm. And you're playing Miles Morales. It's up to the director to make you look good. Like it doesn't matter how passionate you are, because like yeah. at the end, the director could just screw it up. Yeah. But for you, it's like you want the directing to look good, you want the editing to look good, and you want the acting to look good. And if all three of those things look good, it's probably going to be all right because those are like the three most important things. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I think you double down, keep making more more of them, and like yeah, try and tie it into the Spider-Verse or something, you know, cause that's mm-hmm. such a popular thing now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what the last, well, that was what I was setting up in the, in this piece. Um, at the end, I kind of implied that there was another Peter Parker out there. And so everybody's like, where's the sequel? Where's the sequel? Where's the sequel? And, and then, um, and then Spider-Verse comes out and you're like right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. But they still want more. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, Spider-Verse just basically did what I wanted to do. So, you know, Took my idea. <laughs> No, there's funny. There's this like, you know, the, the shoulder touch thing where he says, hey. Mm-hmm. So in, hey. in my film, I I did a basically the exact same thing before they did. I was like, um, the villain pops up about to hit um, Gwen. And I was like, hey there. And then I touch his shoulder and he flies back. And so I basically 
Everybody's like, wait, 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 did they steal this from you? I'm like, I highly doubt it. But, you know, still just funny, those kind of parallels. They might have. Um, so when you were filming this this video, like, what was the hardest part? Was it the ADR? <sighs> um, no, it was probably it was probably directing and acting on set at the same time. That's probably the hardest part. That's always a very strenuous. Were you thing. like running between the camera and acting? No, like, I like, trust you got, it. The, you got the Spider-Man costume still on. You're like, all right, let me see the take. No, I never. I don't think I ever really looked at takes because I knew we didn't really? have time. I trusted my camera guy. I was like, just kind of put the camera over here. I was specific on some things, but I trusted his judgment. I don't remember. I don't remember if we had a shot list or not. I think. I, I think I had like storyboards that I kind of broke it down each piece bit by bit, so I knew we had to get enough just enough coverage um but yeah i just trusted um my camera people to get it wow. done man if you if you can find a crew like that that's like one in a million yeah my man zell like um he works with me now actually at work i hired him um but yeah like i uh that was that was my dude that that is my dude right there so um you, yeah and, we, and same thing with josiah when we did the trailer like i trusted him completely like i know he's he works on his craft and that he's going to get what i want and I was very, I had storyboards. It's not like I didn't communicate my vision. So they knew what I was looking for and they made it better than what I thought. Now, if you were going to talk to like new filmmakers and you know, you like after, before work or sorry, after working on this project, what kind of stuff would you tell them? Like, it's like a comic book project. You gotta be careful. Because mm-hmm. those Comic Con people are crazy, you know. You, you don't want to yeah. piss them off. I did actually piss them off before with the Batman what? project. With the Batman oh. project, I did. Um, I did I this love project. It was like it's not even Marvel; it's a whole other universe. It's DC, yeah. and it was like, oh, I pissed them off. I I can't touch DC anymore. I better get out of here. And well, uh, that's Marvel. because <laughs> the bar the bar has been set so high for DC fan films. There have been so many dope DC fan films that have come oh, out. Fan films. Yeah, I thought you meant films. I was no, like, I'm talking about I'm talking about DC fan films. Wait, the bar's not that high for, the, for DC. <laughs> no, dude. There's <laughs> some pretty honest. for Batman fan films in particular. There are a lot of high budget um, for fan films. Sure, I, I yeah. haven't seen them, but I'm sure, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen plenty, man. Um, and how'd you I, piss them off? What'd you do? I did this project called first person Batman because I was really into first person films as I actually have done probably like three or four now and I want to do some more. Um, and I did a first person Batman film and it was okay. Like it wasn't anything to shout about. It could have been a whole lot better. And Mm -hmm. I admit that. Um, and they were like, this sucks. Like, why'd you put this out? Like blah, blah, blah. And it, cause it got featured (laughs) on a web. The reason why is because it got featured on a website the screen rant. I love screen rant to this day. And it got featured on there when they used to oh, do like, nice. when they used to do like these fan picks or whatever. Yeah. And folks were like, this sucks. Why'd you put this on the website? This could have been so much better. And I was like, dang, oh, I just, the internet. I know. And I was like, dang, I just made this for fun. And like, I, I wanted to do a first person thing with Batman. Cause I had never seen anybody do it before. Right. And it's um, so funny. Cause like the internet is, it's so that. Yeah. Cause like I, you put anything out people are just going to hate it. Right. You know, so you kind of have to get over that pretty quick mm-hmm. on the internet for sure. Yeah, that was before I did uh my Spider-Man projects. That was like back in 2013. So, um but yeah, I I, I haven't watched it in a while. That's probably one of the projects I don't watch as much, but I mean, I'm still <laughs> like, I don't want to remember how it's Yeah, but I'm still proud of what I was able to do at with what I had, so no no shame here. But what are you saying you uh in, in terms of 
like warnings or heads up of what you could tell someone. Like, let's say someone was going to do your exact Miles Morales project Mm -hmm. and you could warn them like, this is going to suck. Be careful with this part of it. What would it be? The film, Uh, you said the ADR was kind of rough, but that wasn't the worst part about it. Well, it's it's because I was doing so many roles on the film. Uh, I would definitely delegate some things and um, holding on to too much at one time, you know. Well, that well, that it's hard to let go, man. Like you're like, oh, in this case, it was like we didn't really have anybody else, so I kind of had to do what I had to do. Um, And so I don't know. In this, in other cases, yes, it has been me holding on to things, but in this case, it was more like I didn't have anybody else to (laughs) rely on. Could someone take the stuff I have? Because I mean, like, no. when I was okay, doing that Kickstarter, okay. bro, like I had a whole crew lined up for the Kickstarter thing. Like I had my, my production designer, I had my cinematographer, I had my uh, editor and all this other stuff lined up. So I was definitely had no problem with delegation. But like when everything fell apart, it was kind of like I was left alone, basically, and me and, and um, you know, my, my close friends that I had. So um, if anything, I could just warn them of I don't really have any warnings I just say like do something you really want to create um if you really want to do like a fan film for a character um be smart about it you know get your script down first <laughs> don't don't piss off the fans yeah That's I mean like film death it, it depends on what it is like I said I would not touch Batman ever again I would never <laughs> touch Batman well I don't know about never but if I didn't have no money behind me I'm not going to touch Batman um, find characters that are easy to do. Um, probably street level characters are probably easier to pull off. Um, and find something that's a little bit obscure, but you know, not too obscure that people don't know what it is and, you know, feed that audience. I, I know I have things that I would tell my past self, like, don't worry so much about, um, whether or not you can do it. Just give it a shot. Like, like playing music live. So I probably would be more into music right now if I had just done a show. But I always mm-hmm. told myself I was too afraid, like, well, I'm not ready. Oh, I'm not ready to play yeah. yet. I'll, I'll get to it. And so I never just did it and just screwed up and then got over it and kept going. Yeah. And so I would tell my past self that. Do you have anything like that that you would tell your past self? Or very, past self, like your young very, self? Very, very few things. There, there are a few things, though. You're like, uh, I've done everything right, Luke. I don't need it. Well, I don't know about right, but like as far as like going out to do something, mostly everything. I probably, there's a scholarship I didn't apply for, which I should have applied for. I know that that's one thing I I do think on to this day. Um, I probably could have shot more. I was kind of scared to rent out uh, equipment from uh, the school until like my junior year when I had to. I probably would have shot more stuff before then. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably wish I would have learned more about entrepreneurship and building businesses oh yeah the business back, side of back things. during that day because i didn't learn any of that until like after college and and i don't like, think you you don't learn that stuff in college yeah don't get me started on ranting about college but but even then i had to like seek this stuff out like i didn't have that interest in it and yeah i said i wanted to accomplish this but then i wasn't doing any research on how to get there well and, i remember like I, I was telling freshmen you know i was a senior i was graduating and, and mm-hmm. i was telling them if I could change something about, or like if, if when I was a freshman, what do I wish someone would have said to me? Like, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a senior, they're a freshman. I have the opportunity to tell them something. What would I have wanted someone to tell me basically? Mm-hmm. And so I told them, um, always say hello to people and always remember their name. 
So yeah. Remember everyone's name. Always say hello to them no matter what and yeah. use their name, right? Mm. Doesn't matter if they remember your name. You just say hello to them and, and you remember their name. Yeah. And then um, go out, make mistakes, try things, you know, like don't be afraid to to do things that you might fail. And then I said, and don't assume anyone's outside of your friendship league. Because mm-hmm. there's so many people that I just assumed they're too cool. There's no way. Yeah, you know, that's a I was big young, one. And I was like, they're not going to, they're not going to want to be my friend. They're going to think I'm a nerd. Or they're yeah. Not gonna, right. And then like by senior year, I was like, they're my best friends and they're, they're not any different from me. And I just assumed that they were outside of my league. Yeah. And so when it comes to filmmaking or like any of that stuff, it's like, I, I feel the same way where it's like, don't assume you can't do it mm-hmm. because I think people underestimate how much they can actually do. Now, I'm not one of those people that says you can do anything. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. It's like, dude, you can't be a quarterback or you can't, you can't play, uh, you know, you can't be a wrestler. And it's like, why? Cause you're short. You're like four foot five. You can't do it. You're not built for it. You can't, that's something you can't really do. So there is limitations. It's like, why can't mm-hmm. I swim as fast as Michael Phelps? Well, he's got longer arms and like longer legs and it's just, I'm not built the same. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is limitations. You might not have even the intelligence. Like yeah. I, for me, I might not have, um, like the, the, um, the ability to read and retain information. So I might not be a good lawyer or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I understand that. But what I am saying is you might not be able to do everything, but people would be surprised how much they can actually do when they really try it. Yeah, man, that's been the story of my life, bro. Um, being stretched to try new things and seeing what happens. I mean, and, and like it, it worked out, like they said, the viral video, you know, you got, uh, projects under your belt that you're proud of you got you started this podcast your podcast sounds great thank you uh you got the motivation and the drive and like that's a big part of all this I'm like i'm i'm proud of you just as like a friend you know I, i'm i when i talked to so basically actually we didn't talk about this on your podcast we should have oh um, yeah, yeah yeah dang well they'll just have to listen to both podcasts <laughs> so um i hadn't met you before mm-hmm. when you were really young and like um, but we didn't really know each other. I just saw you around and then Michael who's in your band was on my podcast. Who's funny. Mm. Cause I actually met Michael at a wedding. That's how I know him. Yeah. And so I knew Michael and then I went to Michael's wedding and then you just showed up out of nowhere. And you're like, Hi, you're Luke, right? And I'm like, yeah, hi. And you're like, I'm Josh. I'm like, actually, yeah, I remember. I, I knew you. Like, I'm, I saw you around before. You're like, really? And then, then you started talking to me about my podcast because you had you heard of it. And then you were talking about trying to start your own podcast. And I just was kind of like, go. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Don't, don't yeah. wait. You know, just get started. Just start releasing stuff. But it, and I was surprised. You listen, like you literally just went out and started recording and, and have been releasing what six episodes now? Six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like um I guess this is a good point to, to talk about it. Like, what is this podcast that you're doing? Yeah. Um yeah, young creative hustlers. Um just want to share stories from creatives that are making a living through their art and share their stories and provide practical tips for creatives to to be able to do that for themselves. Um, but why, why is this a, something that you decided you wanted to cover? Do you have an interest in? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been my life, man. Like that's where all my skills are in, in, in the arts. 
So I was like, you know, growing up, I had that desire to do that. And um, I had been writing notes about this for maybe about a year or two. And, and the guy I had on my first episode, Aaron, um, I had been telling him about the idea for a while. And uh, it was just something that was continuously on my heart because I know there are a lot of people, creatives out there that, you know, they may feel stuck at their job or don't feel like they can use their skills practically um, in a corporate environment or in a, in a job environment. But I wanted to kind of dispel that and show people that are doing this that are in their backyard or people that are more uh, famous that have won awards. Um, and I wanted to show those people that are um, their age or even younger or maybe a little bit older who are doing this thing for a living um, mm -hmm. to show um, that it is possible. So you're hoping to like inspire people. Yeah. At the end of the day, like for me, it's, it's even like a networking thing for me, like getting to meet these people. Cause it's kind of easier to network with people when you say, I have a show, would you like to be on that show? Um, versus like, Hey, can I get five minutes of your time and yeah. get, you know, learn from you? <laughs> you well, know, if you have a show, you can talk to someone for an hour. Yeah. If you wanted to, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, um, it gives you that doorway to have a long conversation with somebody. And so it's a like, cool person. I have a show. Cool person should come on the show. And then I can talk to cool person for a whole hour. You know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's good. I, and it's a good show. It's well produced for sure. Like I, I remember when I first listened to it and it's very different, you know, from my podcast for sure. It's, it's mm -hmm. a lot more organized. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, my podcast, I have, I have reasons my podcast is the way it is because I want it to feel organic and fun. Yeah. Um, and I think I capture that, but I mean, it's like a radio show, right? Like you listen to radio personalities talk. I'm personally not the biggest fans of those type of shows. Like I'm very like informationally focused. Yeah. So like I'll well, zero in on a topic. Yeah. My, my podcast is a bit more like a Rogan podcast mm -hmm. and then your podcast. I don't know a good example, but it's like, um, it's like very straightforward. This is the information. This is the person this is what you probably want to know. And I'm going to get that for you, you know, yeah, Which, because those are the shows like, I listen just, to. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're just different brands, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm like excited that you started it. And like, um, do you have a schedule? Like how do you kind of doing it? When you feel like so it? I, I, I wanted to create a schedule, but I didn't want to create a schedule because I didn't want this to become stressful for me. So okay. I wanted it to be kind of a fun project that I do you know, here and there, and then maybe eventually I'll make it something serious. But right now the schedule is kind of every other week. Okay. That's kind of the rough schedule that I set for myself. So I did four episodes to launch and then, um, you know, did two episodes after that and about to drop the the seventh one. Podcasts are like, are great because you, there's never ever a point in your life where you get to hear yourself have a conversation. And so you can learn so much about the way that you yourself work yeah. And so, you know, I, I've mentioned this on my podcast before on my, well, this is my podcast, <laughs> but I mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, when I listen back, like I, I might tell a story on the podcast and be like, this is so funny. And I tell the story and no one laughs. Duh. And I leave the episode like, well, then that story was so funny. Why did anybody laugh? And then I'll go back and listen to it and be like, oh yeah, that's not funny at all. I, <laughs> I overexplained no, the joke. Yeah, yeah, or, or like I went too fast. I told the punchline too soon and yeah. didn't let it land. So it happens. But you, you don't get that opportunity. 
You know, mm-hmm. when you're public speaking, you don't get that opportunity because yeah. you're not listening to yourself. Right. And you're in a weird scenario where you're up on stage and you're nervous. Like right now, mm-hmm. we're just having a conversation. We get to hear it. Yeah. So let's wrap up this episode. Yeah. So key centric. I, I, let's, let's actually end with this. Okay. Tell me about key centric and make fun of Michael. And okay. we'll do our plugs then. Yeah. So um, back in 2018, I had this desire to want to create an album. And um, I was like, I want to create an album. So I got with a producer. His name is DJ. Shout out to DJ Davis. And um, he worked with me and I did a six track EP. Essentially, I call it an album, but you can call it whatever you want. But I made that and put that out in January 2018. And right after I put that album out, um, I just started getting booked like crazy. Like 2018, I did a lot of shows. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot, but like I had a show at least every month, at least. Mm -hmm. And obviously multiple shows in different months here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on... Uh, I don't know if you heard of the Hampton Road show, but it's like a. You were on that with Michael, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, Michael. He told us about that. Yeah, so we we did that. So um, basically, how key centric works is basically like I'm key centric, but then like whenever I do a live show, like I always have like a bunch of people with me. So Mike has been playing guitar with me from day one. Right. Um, I like got Brian Shields on drums. Um, my friend Denzel's played bass, and so has um, Ron. And then my sister and my friend Nee usually do vocals. Um, and then my friend Jimmy, um, he was playing trumpet with us before he moved. Um, and so, yeah, I always do. I'm usually writing most of the music and creating it. But then when we so do you're live like shows. The, the central guy, but then you pull people in to yeah. play. Yeah, because like. And so who, who does, what other artists do that? Um, I could probably think of like um, somebody like. All right, well, actually, most singers do that because, like, you know, your that's singer true. is your lead vocalist, but then they have a whole band behind them. Yep, that's true. Like all the um, all the name pop singers. Yeah, they have they have a band. Um, Mark Ronson is probably another person I can think of because he col- most of his stuff is collaboration right. with singers, and so that's kind of like what I want to treat the brand as. Um, but yeah, so key centric is me as an artist and producer, and I always collaborate with a bunch of people whenever I perform live. We just did a show at a cultural arts center. Um, this past um, week was super cool. Um, and yeah, well, what, I just, what like, is it though? Like you said, you're sort of in it, but sort of not. Like it sounded like you had some story behind it. Yeah, you yeah. Like- so before, because people have always asked me that question, what is Keycentric? And Keycentric from the beginning was a creative outlet for me um, because I did a Christmas album last year as well. And that was like a challenge. I'm like, I'm going to create a Christmas album. So I basically did most of the music and I had a couple of people come in. Mike sent me over some guitar parts and then Brian did do drum parts as well. But like at, for a while I was like, well, should I turn key centric into a band? And I was kind of debating that. And I was like, I kind of said, yeah, we're going to turn it into a band. But then I went home and I was like, doesn't feel right. Like not from like a selfish, like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to keep key centric to myself. But it was more like <laughs> it's key self, <laughs> it's key self centric, key centered. <laughs> Keep but self, like I thought, of, right, right. But I thought about it. I was like, wait, why did I create this? Why did I start making music under this name to begin with? And it's because it was a creative outlet for expression. And so I was like, and I was thinking about what I want to eventually do with it. And I want to eventually use that name to collaborate and produce for other artists. And which I'm already starting to do now. And somebody was like, yeah, I want that key centric sound on this project. And he's like, I want to work with you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So like, have someone that, say it that way. I want that key centric sound. You're like, 
brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like seeing that starting to begin already now. Um, and I, I talked with both Brian and Mike about this and I was like, yeah, I think this is how I want to do it and use the name to get bookings to play for other artists as key centric, um, use it as a way to produce uh, projects and just to do solo projects whenever I feel like creating something and I want to do a full album next year. So that's the next thing I'm starting to write. And I've kind of got songs together for it now, but it hasn't fully um, come together yet, but that's the next big thing for what I want to do. Yeah. Doing a Christmas, doing a sort of a Christmas tour too. Um, I booked some shows and I'm um, going to be doing that. It's awesome. It's like so much, uh, it's like I'm, I, can't, I haven't even played one show. So <laughs> just the idea of being able to play a bunch of shows is, is really cool. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's such a freeing way to, to just show off your talent. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you get the applause, you get to perform, you get to the recital, you know? Yeah. Um, make fun of Michael. What's he like? Does he show up late? <laughs> does he mess things Mostly up? Mostly everybody shows I'm up late. Trying to think of so. the things he does on the podcast. Like, uh, does he does he mess up the sound somehow? Oh lord! Does he forget to upload his audio? Okay, okay I'll get Mike on one Roast thing. Him. He's not I'll get, here. I'll get him on one thing. So sometimes my songs are very specific when it comes to like the chords that you or the notes that you would play, depending on what the chord is. And so like sometime Mike kind of plays notes that are kind of outside of what the what they should be. And I'll look at him like, bruh, like did you practice like, <laughs> like did you practice Mike? We've been doing the same song for years. He's year. like, I'm just jazzing it up a little bit. I was like, but it's the it wrong. Up. I'm but dude, I'm just I'm super anal on music. So I'll hear something, I'm like, that's not what it's supposed to be. That drum part should be four on the floor. I tell Brian all the time, four on the floor. That's how the song I'm very super specific. What's four on the floor mean? Basically means like if you're in the time signature of four, four, two, three, four, four beats in a measure. Yep. Yep. The drum part, the bass drum would be doing one, two, three, four. Oh, so it hits every single beat. Mm -hmm. Because for me, that drives a song and I'm super particular on that. A lot of my songs have that because that's like disco music. It's like, boom, it has that boom. Yeah. It's driving. So I'll use, that's usually the one thing I'll get Mike on is like, you played the wrong note. You have to be super specific. It's jazz, but it's not jazz jazz. It's, like, it's, it's jazz, but don't jazz it up <laughs> too much. Because we don't want that kind of jazz. That's <laughs> no, funny though, because I could roast Michael. Because it was like the first couple of episodes, he had something go wrong with every single episode. Oh so my. he became the problem child. That's funny. Like that's what he was known for. Then he got good. And then... Michael is the only person on the podcast that sometimes agrees with me. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, yeah, separate. yeah. That's true, Luke. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> no, Mike's Mike's the best man. Um, I met Mike in 2014 a at a show, and um, from the moment I met him, I was like, I got to work with this dude again. And so he came. I uh, he came and played at my church for a few summers for some events we had. And then when I was starting to make music, and I was like, I want to start this live doing live shows i was like i called him up and he was he's been on board since day one so uh thank you mike for everything you've done man yeah he's been shouting you out for like a year now like yeah not not on every episode but like since he's been with you when you guys were doing shows you shout yeah. out quite a few yeah times. mike is yeah mike is a really good guy super so, happy for him all right mike so i hope you enjoyed that <laughs> so, <laughs> i know he's listening um but anyway okay let's wrap this up i know i said that earlier so uh key centric is your band Young Creative Hustlers is your podcast. And where, where can they find that podcast? 
They can find it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or Google Play Podcasts, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what it's called, honestly. I always just call it Google Play. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever even seen my podcast on Google Play, but I know it's on there. It's on YouTube, oh. too, but I haven't I haven't uploaded the last episode yet, but it's on YouTube. Most of them are. Okay, good. And then how can people find you? Like Instagram, Twitter, whatever? Yeah. Any other plugs? Anything else? You got a show coming up, so like anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um... <laughs> so many things i'll, I'll oh, do boy. two things um, like, follow okay, me. for the next five minutes i'll go through <laughs> <laughs> no so if you want to see my films it's youtube.com slash josh reels and that's j-o-s-h-r-e-e-l-s like films reels um and then you can follow me on instagram at josh reels and on instagram as well from a music at key centric a-e-y c-e-n-t-r-i-c you'll see my goofy face up there playing the piano a lot <laughs> Awesome. All right, guys, go follow him, support what he does, and listen to my episode on his podcast. Yes. Which is hopefully out at the same. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you after this podcast to figure out when you're releasing, and we'll try and see if we can coordinate something. Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, go check out his podcast. Go follow him on Instagram. He plays music. He's really good at everything he does. Uh, and you, go ahead, but like I said, specifically go follow his podcast because that's his like newest project. Yeah. I'm on there. You can listen to me, you can listen to other people. Go check it out. And it's young, creative hustlers. So, Josh, all right, let me plug my stuff and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Luke Roxel. That's L-U-K-E-R-O-C-K-S. That's where I post all the pictures and fun things that I'm doing, projects I'm trying to keep running, Woo! polls, whatever. So if you want to stay in touch with my stuff, follow my Instagram. Mm. You can also follow the podcast Instagram, which is W-A-I-T-S-B podcast so josh thanks for being on this episode everyone thanks for listening josh thanks for being on the episode and outro music